Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land of the House of Sin and where the studios stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Hello and welcome back to Cricket by Dummies, the radio equivalent of leaving a ball on middle stump. <laughs> Here with me, I like as that always. One. That was a cricket relevant one as well. I know it's it should it's good that every now and again we do actually talk about cricket. Yeah, I know. I mean, Cricket by Dummies. You know, you can talk about anything really with that. It it really opens up the spectrum. Yes, there is a lot of options for us, and we've got a lot of options here on the show this week. That is the best segue of our season. I definitely. I'm sorry think to so. interrupt. Continue. <laughs> segue master at work here. As usual, we're going to cover some of the news in cricket this week. The Women's Ashes Test has wrapped up yesterday. We will be talking about that. A pretty interesting game, including some pretty incredible moments. Yes, plenty of those. We will also be doing an Ashes preview. Alex, I don't normally do like what's happening in the show. I, I realise, wait, I'm actually qualified to do this. No, we've got an Ashes preview for the men's uh, because that's not too far away. So we're Only a week and a half in. out. Two weeks. So yep. we're going to split it into two parts, do a bit today, mostly focusing on the Australian team, and then we'll do a bit more on the English team next week and just a wrap-up of everything. Yep, and uh, all along with that, we have our hybrid sides that we began last week, a two-part series. We talked about our test sides based on the sides that we picked. We will recap that later. Um, and this week we'll be talking about our ODI and T20 sides, our short-form sides. Yes. And I'm feeling pretty confident that I reckon yeah, I got this this week. because I picked the wrong, I picked the wrong nations. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I put myself on the back foot, and it's totally like I'm the better debater out of the two of us, right? Oh, definitely, yeah. So it made sense to actually put me at a disadvantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like a distinct disadvantage as well, not like a slight <laughs> one. Like an A.B. de Villiers disadvantage. Yes, A.B. de Villiers in comparison to the rest of the world level disadvantage. Yep. But first, let's talk about smog. 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 <laughs> was that what you were expecting when we began the show tonight? No, but we did start off by saying this was going to be cricket relevant. <laughs> and then first chance, off path. So let's clarify. Um, the Pakistani city of Lahore is undergoing what is commonly referred to as a smog storm right yeah. now. Like, it's a combination of fog and just smoke so bad that, like, smog's probably a term you've heard before. But it's meant that they've actually cancelled the upcoming series with the West Indies. Yeah, it's... Like, I don't know if any of you have seen photos, but I've got a photo in front of me right here, and it, it's ridiculous. Like... Obviously, it wouldn't be as bad inside a cricket ground as it is on the streets, but, like, I can't see a full pitch here. Like, you, you just won't know when the ball is coming in, which would make it almost a more interesting game of cricket when you think about it, right? Because you don't know how long you can, you know, stuff around with your pads. Like, Steve Smith, doesn't he do, like, 22 changes? He, like, puts his glove up. Yeah. No, it's Warner. Gloves on and off, pads up and down, thigh pad. I don't know. He pulls his shirt in a little bit. You can't do that now because you don't no. know. The bowler could come in in five seconds and, <laughs> and you're bowled. I think it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened if they played this. Yeah. Just in terms of the outfield, is it trying to take catches and the ball just flies past their faces? <laughs> yeah, he's sitting under this, he's sitting under this. Nope, it's 20 metres away. We could have a rare injury where a player gets hit in the head by a cricket ball. I, we're not going to be <laughs> excited by the possibility of someone getting hit in the 
head by a cricket ball. You could also have these great ones. We talked about our show being the equivalent of leaving a ball on middle stump. I mean, that's much more likely to happen, especially because if it's a white ball, like that's going to blend in with the smoke. <laughs> so when the commentators call in and he's be like, oh, he's left that one. That is definitely a cricket by Dummies oh, right. right there. <laughs> and then Cricket by Dummies will go international. <laughs> uh, we'll get famous. Yes, because let's be honest, we're not getting famous with our eggs segment. No, no. As much as you tried to uh, make it seem like that. Shall we start with the uh, cricketing news? Yes, it is time for the news. It just gets better and better every week, I reckon. (laughs) So, India and New Zealand finished their T20 series. They've only played one game in the last week, which was the third T20. And if I told you that the winning score was 67, normally you'd look at me and go, are you mad? I'm still not sure if you're mad. Yeah, no, unfortunately, like like a lot of this series, it was just marred by things beyond their control. Um, The ODI series was too short. T20 first two games weren't that good. And then this one got reduced to eight overs, unfortunately, due to weather. Um, So India came out and made 67 for five, which isn't really that good a score when you think about it. Eight overs, I mean, that's about nine and over, eight and over. It's not bad. It's not bad. And then. Not great, though. New Zealand came out and they made. They came just six runs short, which it, it was on in the final over. They needed 19 to win. Um, Colin de Grandholm, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The all-rounder. Yeah, uh, hits a six off the third ball, and then the next ball was a wide, and then you start going, oh, the bowler's, <laughs> the bowler's really nervous right about now, but yeah. uh, held on for the win, kept his nerve. It's so close game for the third game of the series, and what was a pretty good series for New Zealand, despite the fact they get nothing from it. (laughs) It is quite unfortunate for them. They they have played very well. And I think even if they don't get anything from it, I think they will have a little bit of pride and a little bit of respect from the rest of the world. Yeah, they'll surely build up some uh, belief, not relief. There's no (laughs) relief from losing twice. But they take just as much as Australia did. They take even more than Australia did, I think. Did we win? Oh, no. No, but in terms of we got nothing, they got nothing. Yeah, true. Fair enough. Uh, there are two tour games going on right now. The first is a game between the Indian President's Eleven. Yes, and Sri, Sri Lanka. It, this is a big game on the cricketing yeah. calendar. I was like, <laughs> everyone needs to hear about this because yeah. we can't let any international games slide, Alex. No. Like, Why don't you tell everyone about it in sure, just great sure. detail? Spare well, no expense. Oh Well, it started... On a sunny day <laughs> in somewhere in India. Somewhere, isn't it in Sri Lanka? No, it's in India. Oh, no, because if, it, yeah, they, no, they were between them. Yes. Yes. Keep blabbling, Alex. You talk, I'll Any, do the listening. Anyways, Sri Lanka did something that I didn't think they could do, even against a second 11. They, they scored over 200. Did they? And wow. In fact, they scored over 300. They scored over 400, Alex. They scored 411 for nine. But I looked at this and I was like, well, that's a terrible score, but they actually had most of their guys retire, not out. And I was like, damn, the not Sri Lanka bad. team's not actually meant to be good. <laughs> Could uh, they actually give India a scare in the series, do you think? Could they? No. No. <laughs> no. no. New Ze- Australia didn't try and didn't get close. New Zealand tried and kind of got close. You're talking about an Australian side that lost in Sri Lanka. Oh, True. That's that's a very just, good just point. Just putting it out there. No, I think they'll get smashed. And as well. then, well, Sri Lanka bowled to the Indian president's eleven, and in the Indian president's eleven over only lost five wickets for two hundred and eighty-seven. So, I mean, even if they can bat, they can't bowl. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, the English are touring Australia right now, the English men's side, and they played in a tour match against the Cricket Australia 11 uh, over the last week in what ended up being a fascinating game. One would have thought it was going to be pretty one-sided, but the Cricket Australia 11 gave them a real scare. Uh, England batted first, only made 293 in their first innings. Not exactly a convincing score by them, I wouldn't think. No, no, it's definitely not a convincing score whatsoever. They had good um, contributions from Stone Man and what was the other one? Uh, Jimmy Bairstow yep. made runs? Yep. John, not Jimmy, Johnny Bairstow, and he didn't make runs anyway. It was David <laughs> Milan. He made uh, 63, batting at five. Um, however, the actual headlines were made in the first innings by one of the Cricket Australia bowlers, uh, a young man by the name of Daniel Fallens, Fallens. Not sure how it's uh, supposed to be pronounced. But this guy is playing his first game ever in a list day match, right? So on debut, he's never played Shield, ODI cricket or anything, and he takes five wickets against England. Not bad. It's his career can only go downhill from here, though, can't it? No, but that's the thing. Like, a would the English prepare for like tour matches? Would they look at like um video footage of like bowlers? No, because I was going to say even if they did, where would they find video footage of this guy? He's nowhere. Premier cricket. (laughs) I think the fact that you didn't know how to pronounce his name said enough about how uh how, I don't know, unknown he is. Very true, very true. And the Cricket Australia 11 almost managed to gain a first innings lead. They declared it 9 for 233, so only 60 runs behind after the first innings. England did actually manage to bowl okay. Uh, Tim Payne defiant and made a case for his selection for Australia with a 52. Um, And then things got really interesting, because at this point you're thinking, well, they're not playing great England, but they should manage to destroy them from here, surely. Surely they're going to go out, make 500 runs, wrap this up. Surely, yeah, that's what international teams do, right? That's definitely not what happened. They again got off to a promising start, got out to about uh, 2 for 94 and then started losing wickets quickly. The middle order folded. Very few of them made runs. Johnny Besto did make runs in the second innings, however, his 61 not. The only one of the batsmen after the openers to clear 30. So pretty average performance in them. They're all out for 207 in the end. And all of a sudden... The Cricket Australia 11's licking their lips. The Cricket Australia 11 had a serious shot at knocking over England. They're chasing 260 to win in the final innings, which is only 30 more runs than they made in the second innings. Like, very easily gettable, and they collapsed to 7 for 25. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris Hawkes finally stepped up and took four wickets in about five minutes, <laughs> and they did the whole, whole top order collapse. Oh, my. <laughs> it's just had to be that way, didn't it? They <laughs> yeah. just gave them a little hint, just a little. <laughs> Little bit. Uh, Matt Short, the young Victorian, chipped in with 28 at the end, and they managed to get to 75. Woo! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty unconvincing total, but um, a pretty good fighting performance from them. Yeah, for a bunch of rejects, as we've named them all season. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, losing to England by 200 isn't such a bad result. No, definitely. Especially when you're in the game for lots of it. And we have begun the third round of Sheffield Shield today with three different matches going on. The first, Victoria is playing Tasmania in um, a pretty interesting game. A few players who are playing for their spot for Australia, potentially. Um, one of them, the first one to flop, was Matthew Wade, who uh, went for a very paltry five. It what was, was a terrible shot that yeah, he got bowled on. Yeah, it was a on. terrible shot. Like, yeah. Peter Siddle's a good bowler, but yeah. that that was inexcusable, that... I think that shot more than the fact that he hasn't scored runs will keep him out of the side. It could definitely be a problem. Uh, Tremaine took three for the Vicks as they rolled Tasmania for 172. George Bailey defiant with a fighting 106. Him looking good. Is he a possible Ashes selection? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> One of the However, few players in Australia with Ashes experience. 
Yes, that's a good point. It's especially in an Ashes victory. Yes, but the Ashes victory was in no part due to him. No, he didn't do much. <laughs> <laughs> Except he did hit James Anderson for 28 off one over. Let, never let him forget that, James never. Anderson. No, he's... He's going to hold on to that one, George Bailey. Yep. And in response, the Vicks actually collapsed quite a bit early. Gabe Ball, the young... Um, who were they playing? Tasmanian Quick took, took four wickets in a short amount of time. He's 23 years old, this guy. He's only played three Sheffield Shield games before now, and he took four for about six in about seven overs, including the important wickets of Glenn Maxwell and Peter Hanscombe, both of whom are looking... You'd think Hanscombe's probably a lock, but if he keeps flopping, this might be an issue in the future. Um, and so at stumps, the Vicks are four for 103. Harris is 61, not out, so... Issue for Maxwell, do you reckon? Yeah, like he made two half centuries last match, which was good for him, but like you can't just do this. And number six, I feel, in the side, especially in Astra's side, has to be someone you can rely on. That's just what Glenn Maxwell lacks. Yeah. Oh. I- I can't argue with that, really. Uh, Queenslanders playing New South Wales. The Queenslanders got rolled for 183. Am I seeing a pattern here? Is this just like the Sheffield Shield? Everyone's just getting rolled for 180. There has there there hasn't been been a lot of great totals. Has there been more scores below 200 than there's been above 200? Honestly. Uh, probably it's going to be about the same, I would guess, off off memory. No wonder it's so hard to pick an Ashes number six. Well, between those two games, the Victorian Tasmania game and the Queensland New South Wales game, they lost 27 wickets between them in one day, which is a lot of wickets. Yes. Uh, the only player to really make runs on this day was a defined 78 not out from Usman Kawaja, batting a three. That's how badly they flopped the rest of the Queensland lineup that he batted basically through the innings and still only made 78. Yeah, but he's played really well. He looks a very good nick. He's averaging about 100 so far in the Shield this yeah, season. Yeah, he's very set for the Ashes, especially because he plays in Queensland a lot. Yeah, Matthew Renshaw struggled again with another defensive 16, didn't really get anywhere. Uh, the final game, WA is hosting South Australia over in Queensland, and one of my boys, uh, a favourite of mine, Cameron Bancroft, is not out on, I believe, 171. Um, it's about that. He's read about that. That's how many runs. WA are 5 for 364 at Stumps. Mish Marsh also made 95. Does he get an Australian spot as a result of this? I think he does. Honestly, this innings, like he made two half centuries last match, I believe, as well. So that would have opened the selector's eyes. But then opening the batting and coming out and hitting 171 not. Yep. He's batted the whole day. He was there at the start, finishes at the end, makes 170. I don't understand how you can't be selected, how you can't not be selected. I think one of the things the Australian selectors will love is that he hit his first 100 runs off about 200 balls, and then once he's properly set, then hits his next 70 runs off about 70 balls, which show that he can go up a gear as well. Yeah, which that they, will perfectly complement David Warren. They love that. And we will talk more about Cameron Bancroft and his eligibility for selection later when we do our Ashes preview. But first, it is time for Big Skies by Mere Women. You're listening to Sin 19.7 FM here, Cricket by Dummies with Alex and Chuck. And it is time for some Ashes recap, Lachlan Ross. Get excited. We had the first test. First and only, but <laughs> don't laugh at that. <laughs> well, I wish there had been a second test because I really enjoyed this. Yeah, it was good to see. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't on TV. No. However, you can make like a free account and get it on Cricket Australia, which is really good. So I know both of us were watching it on that. But yes, to the test. 
Do you want to go? <laughs> We're both looking at each other like... I just... I, I assumed you were about to say something. Um, let's talk about the test because it was a pretty pretty good game. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, I think overall, I think it, it doesn't look good for England. I think they really needed a win going into the, uh, the T20s. If they... Just with this draw, it means they're now two points behind going into the T20s. Even if they win two of the three... Because Australia retains the Ashes, they're not going to win. So they need now need to win all three. So looking back for me, the biggest talking point is England in the batter friendly conditions on day one just did not press the attack enough. I thought they were too defensive, and I think it cost them in the later days when Australia ended up batting time. Yeah. Um, so England in the first innings made 280, pretty respectable score, but they did it in 116 overs, which is 2.4 and over, which. When they need, know they need to win to essentially have a really good chance of winning the series, that really wasn't the way no. of going about it whatsoever. And it hurt them because it was only four-day test. If, if it's a five-day test, different story. Um, it would have been a really good day five. I think we both agree on that. Yeah. But, yeah, batting time just really didn't help them. And then they fell behind and then they had to bat time at the end of the game just to not lose. Definitely, and if they'd lost, it would have been over. So they needed to make sure they got at least a draw from it. So after England's very slow 280, which we've already discussed, Australia came out and this was when things took off. I mean, this was one of the best innings I think I've ever seen. Elise Perry's 213 not out was an impressive knock. As you will see, she was brilliant. I I don't think I've seen a batsman as exhausted at the end of their innings as she was when she raised her bat for the second time. uh, (laughs) She looked absolutely wrecked. She looked so tired. Uh, It was an incredible performance. She's classy. She's powerful. She's skilled. What else is there to say? Yeah, she's got everything. No, it's interesting because they don't play the test match cricket. So she's faced 374 balls. She's faced more than an ODI by by herself, and she's just (laughs) not tuned to that. And you think of, like, Dean Jones when he made 200 in India, and it was 36 degrees the whole time, and he was exhausted by the end of it. But not saying the least Perry was more exhausted, (laughs) because I think Dean Jones was, because he'd nearly um, dehydrated entirely. But he's more attuned to it, whereas Elise Perry just doesn't get the chance to play tests as often. No, and this is a, an, a batsman who averages 50 in ODI cricket, but has never actually made a century before. So her first century in any form of cricket uh, for Australia is a 213 not out in a test. Does that mean she still hasn't made a century, technically? Technically, she's she made hasn't a double, made a century. She's made a double hundred. She hasn't made a single hundred, has she? The best part was that after all of this, she came out and opened the bowling. So she was not out at the end. Within 20 minutes, she's got back into a fresh pair of white to come out opening the bowling for Australia. How good of a player is she? Yeah, that's just, that's superhuman effort. But I think the greatest thing about this 213 was the fact that she never looked like getting out. Like, we've no. said we've said that, yes, it was very batter-friendly conditions and the ball just wasn't doing anything. It was essentially like playing on concrete. Yeah, but, until the swing late in the day, there wasn't anything besides yeah. that. But, like, still, to have the concentration to not make any mistake for 374 deliveries... Heck, I'm tired after 15. <laughs> no, oh, I'm more just surprised that I'm not out yet. <laughs> yeah, it was a fantastic knock. Um, with that, they I believe they went in with a lead of about 160. 168. Uh, 168 going into the final innings. England needing to make more than that just to make Australia bad again. They batted time, England, and it was Heather Knight, 
with her shining armor that came riding through. She batted beautifully. And she also looked very, very good. Her defense completely unwavering. She didn't look like getting out as well. She was fantastic, and she saved the day for them, made sure that they weren't going to lose this one. Yeah, she steered the ship home, you know, captain's knock, as she has done a few times this series now. Face out 220 deliveries. Exactly, As you do. Exactly what was asked of her, really. <laughs> yeah. The match couldn't be won for them at that point. So she did exactly what she had to. Yeah, I can't say really anything more than that for her. Uh, my, I don't know about you. My favourite uh, moment on the final day, though, was one of the better balls I've seen in a long time from Amanda Jade Wellington. It was honestly, and we, we talked about... Um, some of the other leg spinners, but this was Warner-esque. And, and I don't say that lightly in the sense that just because you're a leg spinner and you bowl a good leg spin delivery doesn't mean you're Warner-esque. The way this ball pitched and swung and then spun was very Warner-esque, I thought. Yeah, you looked at that thinking, whoa, that, that is Shane Warne. It, <laughs> it was a brilliant delivery, yeah. spun, did everything you wanted. It I think do. it was about 90% of the as good as the gating ball was, and that's an incredibly high praise, yeah, in my that, opinion. Yeah, that's a... No, it's not that high, right? <laughs> not like it's ball of the century or anything. No, no, no. No, it just... The pitch, I think, was the biggest problem with this, this game. Not even the four days. Um, like, the... It, could have been nice for them if they had five days and it would have w- worked on this pitch, I suppose. But like four days, uh, no, sorry, the pitch was just, it gave them nothing to it work was so with. so flat. And where the men have a bit more pace on the ball so they can make a, a flat pitch look a bit better, the women just don't quite have that. And yep. then Elise Perry has a field day because she knows she's not going to get beaten for pace. The ball's not going to seam, swing, or anything. All she has to really worry about is spin, but it's not spinning and either. Yeah, Sophie Eccleston, the English spinner, wasn't as impressive as Amanda Wellington, I thought. Uh, she was okay at times and took a few wickets as a result of poor shots, but didn't pose the same threat that Amanda Wellington continuously posed. Yeah, I. if I saw another test, though, I'd like to see a more green wicket, something that will swing the first few days and then will break up and get very spinny. Definitely. Um, we're going to do a little bit of fun segment here, just something just to keep us all nice and light. We're going to talk about some of the things that you wouldn't have heard if you were in the Australian dressing room after this match. We keep looking at each other. <laughs> no, what you wouldn't have heard is Elise Perry should give up cricket for soccer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think there's much chance of that at this point. <laughs> the Australian's like, no, we don't need her. It's not like she opens the bowling and comes in at three. One thing you definitely wouldn't have heard was, I wish England would bat faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, on that first day oh. when Australia saw England batting slowly, they're just like licking their lips. Yeah, they're just going, this is as good as it gets for them. Uh, another thing you wouldn't have heard is, I'm really glad the match ended after four days. Thank God test matches aren't five days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because they'd have no idea that most test matches are played at five days. No. No, no way they'd be aware of that. Another thing they would have heard is, don't worry about that draw too much. Much. We've got another test match right around the corner. <laughs> the next test will be, what, two and a half years? Yeah, probably. How long till Australia will play another test, is it? Well, they only play against England. England. So and normally the, the next time ashes. between Australian Ashes and the England Ashes two is two years. and a half years. Ash. So they better start prepping soon, otherwise <laughs> they're going to be left shorthanded. I read that Elise Perry, who's been playing in the side since 2007 or something, has played in seven test matches or something. 
like that, which is just crazy. <laughs> Whereas you, you could have someone who's, over that period. Yeah, a man could have started in the Test match like this year and have seven already. Definitely. Although he'd have seven losses. So at least Perry's got a few wins. Yes, and a double hundred. <laughs> Another thing you wouldn't hear is this Test thing is overrated. <laughs> Because I, I think it was, a despite what happened, I think the women enjoyed it. I think they enjoyed oh, playing yeah. Test Match Cricket, and I think it does good for the game. It was a shame that it was marred by the pitch in four days, but, like, it gets people interested. It is the traditional form of cricket. It is. Speaking of the pitch, one thing you definitely would have heard coming out of this game was, pitches don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I've already made enough of a point on that, so I won't even... And one thing you definitely definitely didn't hear is man i really enjoyed being interviewed by cricket by dummies <laughs> <laughs> megan shoot if you're listening out there we're sorry <laughs> molly sure, strano as well i'm sure megan shoot's just finished uh, you know a long day's campaign she was batting with elise perry you know she's done a lot of bowling she's come off the field she's talking to her teammates and what is she thinking about cricket by dummies <laughs> <laughs> for all your cricketing needs <laughs> when it's not even relevant for all your smog needs. <laughs> all your smog needs, right? We're going to be back with more which, uh, after this, which is Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes. That was Blister in the Sun by the Violent Femmes. You're here on Sin 90.7 FM, here with Cricket by Dummies. It's time for some ashes, because we haven't had enough ashes. Let's have some more ashes. You were really excited there. I'm sorry, I shouldn't point it out, but I'm, <laughs> I'm like... Why would someone get excited about our show? Wait, what? <laughs> I'm excited to be here with you. Aww. Aww. That's the nicest moment. thing you're ever going to say to me. Take it's it. about halfway through the season, <laughs> so I might as well like leave now. Yeah, I know. Quit I whilst I'm done. ahead. Yep. That's been my most common joke all season, quit whilst you're ahead. <laughs> Which Any- is very rare for you. I know. And we're back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, ashes, but the men, because we've got to look at the men. It's just around the corner. Uh, and, yeah, get excited for it. Five tests, two old foes. I feel like I should be on, like, one of those ads. Five tests, the mother country, and the criminal place, <laughs> <laughs> the convicts. <laughs> you know there are the, some people living in Australia that aren't the descendants of criminals, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just a few. <laughs> yes, I am perfectly aware of that. Yeah. But I'm just doing what they would do on the TV. Anyway, so we're going to go through what we expect to be the Australian side and if need be, justify it in a rather shambolic fashion. Yeah, so let's first talk about what who we would have in our sides if we were in charge of selection, because, you know... That's realistic. Yeah. <laughs> two, two teenagers. With a radio show. Yeah. Yeah. Barely. Great. So <laughs> let's talk about the side. Um, my opening batsman, I'm, I'm fairly confident David Warner will be named in the side. I'm not sure about you. Oh, I wouldn't be too sure on that. No, David Warner, fantastic player, obviously going to open. Yeah. And one of the people who I think this might be um, an interesting thing. I wouldn't be surprised if you've gone with a new face here, but I've gone with the current incumbent, Matthew Renshaw. Yeah, I haven't gone with that. <laughs> and our first big change. I've gone with Cameron Bancroft. You may see Cameron Bancroft feature later on in my side. Ooh. Well, Ooh. there you go. No, I, I like the flexibility Bancroft gives me. And he opens. I would hate to move him from two to seven. You can bat seven. It's easier batting seven than it is two. I don't think you can move a batsman from seven to two. But well, that's think... the point. It's harder batting there. You want to put your better batsman there. And Cameron Bancroft's batting a whole lot better <laughs> than Matt Renshaw at the moment. You're just picking on form. Matt Renshaw is a guy who, in his last test in Australia, hit 170. Yes. We're just going to ignore that factor, are we? No, we're not going to ignore 
going to ignore it, but like... That was against Pakistan earlier this year. That was a very impressive impressive performance. He looked very good. I thought he was one of our best batsmen throughout the series. He made the runs to back it up. I understand that Sheffield Shield form is important, and I think you should take that into account. But when the guy's got a proven track record in tests, if he flops in the test, then yep, go nuts, drop him. But while he's batting well in test cricket, don't drop him in test cricket. Okay. He didn't have too good a year outside of Australia. I think he's a very Australian... I think he only played a couple games. He, didn't, yeah. he definitely wasn't given much of a go. No, th- that was disappointing, but he's not really part of the team as I consider it at the moment. You're saying like he's playing well and he's in the team and all that, but he's not really... In his last series in Australia, he played very well. Yes, he did. And that's what I consider is very important. Okay. Well, our last series in Australia was against Pakistan, and this is England. Who aren't and, too far apart at this stage. No, but this Cameron Bancroft did score um, the two half-centuries last match, not the 170 today, the two half-centuries last match against essentially what could be the Australian bowling lineup. What in, will be the Australian bowling lineup? More than likely. It's yep. not mine. Hey, man, I ain't arguing with Cameron Bancroft. He's in my lineup. <laughs> I'm just saying that I think it's important that you pick Renshaw. Okay. I understand that. I think they're pretty similar players. Right. I'll be curious to see who you have in your middle order then because I think this is going to get pretty interesting. Um, I don't think we're going to differ too much on our number three and four. Kawadra and Smith? Yep. Yep. Uh, Kawadra's been batting beautifully in the Sheffield Shield as we talked about before and Steve Smith is... Where would you have him in the world right now? Honest. Uh Oh, I think Steven Smith. I was getting ready for like a sarcastic response. Just <laughs> like, well, I'd have him in the top. Hundred, four, four hundred, five hundred. Yeah, give it six. <laughs> okay, so no, he's about the second best for me. Who do you have him behind? Coley. Fair. I, I think I probably agree. Him again. It's him and Root. Those two and Root, and then Williamson slightly behind them. Um, I think they're the best players right now. Yep, I can't agree with but you. But he's more definitely there. one of the best going around. Um, at number five, I have again I backed in the batsman who did quite well, but not as well, um, in Australia during the summer and has had an okay Sheffield Shield season so far. Uh, Pistol Pete Hanscombe. Yep, I have that as well. I think you got to back him in. Yeah, and he's young enough that you know he's only going to get better the more and more you play him. As I drop Renshaw. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of Bancroft, um, he is twenty-four. Yes. And he's young, and i that's one of the reasons I like him for this side, is I think he'd be great to develop. Um, my all-rounder, I have gone with another Victorian, Clay Maxwell. Um, I know this is probably a weird choice, because I just talked about form in Australia, and Glenn Maxwell's form in Australia is not great. It's okay. He's but form anywhere. <laughs> His century in India was a very important century, and uh, not India, in Sri Lanka, um, that I thought was really a defining moment. Or was it in India? I don't even know. He hit I a century in the in subcontinent. India. That's what counts. <laughs> in our Cricket last by test, dummies for you. <laughs> in our last test, he made a century that was very important. I thought it was a really solid knock under a lot of pressure. And when a batsman is playing well, you don't drop him out of the side. Um, my only worry with him is the bowling option. I'm not convinced by him from an all-rounder perspective, but as a batsman, I think he's got a, a good future for Australia. Okay. Well, my number six won't be my all-rounder. Okay. So you've because gone I've out. gone with Bancroft. So do you want me to go my all-rounder? No, nah, tell me. Well, is it Maxwell? No. Okay, so who's your number six? I, uh, my number six, 
I went for experience and I hate giving this guy so many opportunities, but I want someone who I can count on for um the because it's the Ashes, right? And yep. it's a bigger stage. And sure, I could throw someone like Curtis Patterson or Daniel Hughes out there who have both been batting okay. Not not fantastically, but okay in the well, I don't think Daniel Hughes is No, he is young. Yeah. They're both pretty young and they might have a future in the side. However, the Ashes series is not the time and place to see that. And while Sean Marsh isn't playing a whole lot better, um, <laughs> he's got experience on his side. You and I can't. Sean Marsh. <laughs> I know. Have you seen the options? Your argument was that someone you want to depend on, and you picked Sean Marsh. Depend. De- someone more reliable, yes. And and you think Sean Marsh fits the bill? No, I don't think anyone fits the bill in Australia. You just pick Glenn Maxwell as your all rounder. That is nuts. That is nuts. I, I can't believe you picked Sean Marsh, especially at six. I would have him batting above Hanscom. Yeah, that, that I was a bit fluid on. But this, is a, this is a guy that has made pretty much every score possible, Sean Marsh. Everywhere from the good scores to the right bottom scores. Yep. Um, I Look, to be honest, I don't think it's that bad of a selection. It's not one I would have gone with, but I think he's definitely in in the conversation right now. Didn't have a great score today, and I think that might hurt him. Because yeah. Bancroft's massive score is going to go really well for him. Well, it was between picking Sean Marsh and then or having Bancroft at six. But luckily I didn't do that. Otherwise, I would have had just about the same side as you. Very very definitely. And who's your all-rounder at seven? So I went Cartwright. More, more be- uh, cut wrong, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I've given him so much stick. And it's coming back to bite me. Yep. I'm, I'm going to pick Cut wrong, not because I think he's that much better of a player than Glenn Maxwell. I just think Queensland is better for um, medium that. paces than for spinners. And Nathan Lyons a fine enough spinner. I don't need two spinners, so I'll bring Cut right on. If I don't you- think he's going to do much bowling. I don't think whoever it is, part of the reason why it didn't factor into me too much, I don't think they're going to do much bowling. Depends how much England makes, to be fair. Yeah, I, I, I don't see their tailplotter doing a lot of batting against our quicks. I think they're going to fall quite quickly. Okay. The ones we expect to make runs will make runs, and then the rest are going to struggle a lot. So, <sighs> Carwright's an interesting one, because I was close, but not quite on picking him. I just He makes too many low scores. I think for me is I've watched him too, too much recently get in and get out quite cheaply, um, whether it be in the shield or over in India, he really struggled um, when we were playing over there. We talked about him in that ODI series. He looked like he'd been thrown to the wolves and he had though, to be fair yes, to him. Interesting, Alex, because he actually had, yeah. he looked like you wanted to eat that meal. Was that because you're hungry? <laughs> Not my greatest analogy ever. But. No. Um, but yes, um, I think in Australia he'll probably do better. Um, my worry is is that if things get hairy, I don't think we can actually depend on Hilton Cartwright. But we can depend on Glenn Maxwell. I think, okay, you no. had a go at me for picking Sean Marsh. I think, I think we have more of a chance of being able to depend on Glenn Maxwell. I cannot believe. I that know it sounds it sounds came. crazy. Out of your mouth. It sounds crazy. Okay, here's what I'll say. Is that because right? it is crazy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it looks crazy. Oh, that's maybe because <laughs> it is crazy, Alex. <laughs> if it's black and white, it's probably not a horse. <laughs> um, I Okay, I'm 
pretty confident that Glenn Maxwell, let's say he plays all five tests, I'm pretty confident he's going to make at least three or four fifties, right? Now, Hilton Cartwright might make quite a lot of runs, but he also might do a George Bailey and make very few runs. And if he's not contributing much with the ball, which I don't think many people think that all-rounder is going to offer too much... I don't see what value he could offer to the side. Whereas I at least argue, if this series doesn't go well for us, Maxwell will make some runs. He might not make a lot, and he will quite likely get himself out in the 60s several times, but at least he's going to get to 60. And I don't know if Hilton Cartwright's going to do that. So you have Maxwell at 7? I have Maxwell at 6, Bancroft at 7. Okay. Giving Bancroft the traditional wicketkeeper spot to make his own. Yeah, I was going to say, well... I. I don't think Bancroft is someone to bat with the tail because he doesn't bat fast enough. In we my did opinion. just talk about him hitting 70 off 70 balls. Yeah, earlier. but once he'd faced 200. Yeah, uh, yes, admittedly, that is. You're not going to face 200 factor. balls with the tail. That's not the point. No, but, but I mean, we Glenn have a Maxwell, very solid tail. And But then Glenn Maxwell at seven for me, even if you did that, I feel like he's too aggressive. He has no sense of. Um, the situation. I feel like if he, Glenn Maxwell, got left in with the number eight, he'd be like, okay, I'm with the tail and he'd go too fast. I, I don't think no, he's I don't got think the he right would be balance. Mitchell Stark. But, but I, I like that. I want to see our top order batsmen do that. I think, as we've talked about, we mentioned it earlier, several times we've seen this series was uh, top order batsmen preserving their wicket and not getting out. When realistically, if you're Usman Khawaja as he was earlier, right? And you're 70-something not out and you're batting with a number 10 and you've just seen watch 7, 8, 9 all last 20 balls each, you probably should be having a go. Now, yeah. he's trying to prove himself to the side, so you, it's slightly different. But I would like a batsman that if he's batting with Josh Hazelwood or Nathan Lyon thinks, well, I want to accelerate now because I don't think these two will last long. If they do last long, great, more runs for us. But if they don't, I'm going to get us some runs now. Yeah. I mean, I was just saying that I think Lane Maxwell would not sum up the situation as well and he'd go a bit early. I'd argue Whereas that because I'd... he's a short-form player, he's better at that. He's okay. got more experience with timing his runs better. I guess we'll see. T- time <laughs> will tell with that one. Yeah, definitely. Sure. I, I don't think there's going to be too much debate between the uh, bowling attack that we've picked. I think there is. So you've made a shock inclusion into the lineup, Alex, it's me. Of course I have. Oh, this is... No, this is not going to I had to make things interesting. <laughs> so, you didn't pick Lyon, right? Kidding. <laughs> Kidding. So, I have picked Nathan Lyon. I, for the record, have picked the traditional New South Wales polling attack of Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood and Lyon. I did not pick Cummins. Ooh. I must be about the only person in Australia that doesn't rate Cummins that highly. Okay. I am willing to hear this out. I picked, and I don't think you're going to like this, I picked Chad Sayers. No, see, Chad Sayers is my 12th man. He's, if I, I think he's incredibly underrated. I think of the players that, and here's what I'll argue, right, is I, I say, I reckon you want to get as many games into Cummins as possible, but between Stark, Cummins, and Hazelwood, I guarantee you one of them will get injured before the end of the series, yeah. right? Between those three, I reckon they will miss at least two tests of the five. Now, for me, Chad Sayers is playing those two tests. I, I'm actually in agreement with you. I would still pick Cummins first. Okay. I'm much more inclined to pick Sayers first. I think you can't, you can't let a man perform so well for so long and yep. leave him out just to this guy that keeps getting injured, but he's the biggest prospect in Australian cricket in ever, and he has been for five years, but, but hasn't no, no, really no. gone He is anywhere. a really good bowler. He's a solid bowler. 
he's a really good bowler. Yeah. You've got to argue, even if you, you don't think he's amazing, he's on a similar standard to Sayers. Yes, but I'm more inclined to give Sayers a go. Sayers has got 10 wickets in the two matches so far. I don't know I, if he I got to bowl today. Close. Um, he took one today. Um, I definitely think he's close. He's my number 12, and I think he definitely should get game time. What about dynamics-wise? Because, I mean, we know Hazelwood's your Glenn McGrath type, hit that spot, do a little bit with the same. Stark is your opening bowler tear through that, that top order, hopefully. Sayers is a swing bowler. He's the, the guy that you'd ideally like to have using the new ball and hoping it around. He doesn't offer too much after that. And I think Cummins at least offers a bit more variety in that he, he can push those speeds up, which lets him give a bit more in those middle sections of the game, which I don't know if Sayers has. Yeah, I don't know if um, Cummins has the durability to push those speeds for a whole test, though. He, he wouldn't be confident in his body to do that. But I think the problem is uh, Hazelwood's more of like a seam bowler. Like, he swings it a bit, but he offers seam bowling beyond that. Uh, Cummins kind of does as well, and it's kind of the same same. Whereas if you throw a Chad Sayers in there who's a pure swing bowler, it adds a bit of variety but obviously the benefit of picking four New South Wales guys is they've all played together before they all understand each other but I would like to see Sayers picked I think he's done just about everything he could to get selected apart from get a tenfer. I I definitely think we would both like to see him get play a game throughout the series though it does seem like Jackson Bird will be the first choice when one of those injuries does strike. To wrap things up who do you think is actually going to be selected in the side? Who do I think is actually Who do you think will be selected? I think they'll pick Renshaw. Yeah. But so then I. I think I think it's going to be more similar to yours. Yep. I don't know if they'll pick... You know what? I think it, they might pick your exact side. I don't necessarily think that's the best side in Australia, but I think they're far more inclined to pick Maxwell over Hills and Cartwright because Maxwell is a cool guy, essentially. <laughs> no offence to Darren Lehman, but uh, there's a trend there. Yeah. I, no, see, I think they'll pick Cartwright because he's young. <laughs> Just because he's young. I think they'll pick Cartwright and they'll pick Neville. I think that'll be the two that get the game. Though I'd love to see Cameron Bancroft play. That would make me so happy. And Chad <laughs> Sayers. If you do both of them, I will have a fun summer of cricket. It's going to be a great summer of cricket. Either way, we're going to be back with our hybrid sides. But first, Casey Hill, like a woman. That was Casey Hill, Feel Like a Woman, here on Sin 90.7 FM. And you know what? I'm not as excited as last time, but that's because our show is coming to an end soon. But before we finish, we have one last segment for you. Our hybrid sides that we began last week. We did a mini draft off. Yeah, and we are going to continue them this week, and we're going to do a limited oversight, more weighted towards ODI, not by my choice, just because <laughs> Alex isn't the biggest fan of T20 ever. I, I just think ODI cricket's a little bit higher standard, you know? I th- you're entitled to your own opinion. So we did our draft. I picked India, South Africa, England, and the West Indies to form my Empire Eleven, and you picked... Can I just say my team name? Because I think people can figure out my teams <laughs> from that. New Auslankistan. So that's New Zealand, Australia, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, and then I also got Bangladesh, Just for, but we're going to call him Shakib. <laughs> so New Auslankistan plus Shakib. <laughs> Strong lineup. Uh, my top four for this limited overs team is Quinn de Kock, Rohit Sharma, 
uh, Virat Kohli, the number one short-form batsman in the world. I think we could both agree. And Joe Root. So I'm very confident in that top order. I like how you conveniently pick top four. Because, no, well, I, actually, your fifth batsman's uh, A.V. I, I, I think my middle order is pretty solid as well. <laughs> Look, I'm starting right now. Actually, no, about a week ago. Yeah, it was about this time last week. I was regretting the countries I picked. <laughs> actually, no, it was a week and a couple of hours ago when we picked them. And I picked Australia first, which hasn't destroyed me too much. But I think it was the second and third selections that cost you. No, New I Zealand think it, and Pakistan. I honestly think it was me picking um, going first pick because we did like a snake draft. So I got mm. one and four, you got two and three. I think two and three is much more valuable than one and four. Uh, see, I managed to get England, India and South Africa. You didn't, you, you could never allow me to do that. That's a fair point. Anyways. Your top four? My top four isn't actually that much worse than yours. Yeah. So I feel all right about this. So I've got opening batting Warner again. He's pretty solid, isn't he? Yeah, he's a pretty solid player. Uh, Baba Azam averages 59 for those who don't know from Pakistan. Uh, for those that haven't seen much of him, he is one of the best ODI batsmen in world cricket right now. Yeah, he's just... He makes runs everywhere as well. That's the big go for him. And then I've got Williamson at three. He's a, he's a solid one-day batsman. Uh, who would have thought a good Kiwi batsman? <laughs> and then at number four, I've got Steve Smith. Uh, so you picked the Australian captain. I did. He's a very good player. That's a very good top four. I'll give you that. He's... I almost think we split that. Yeah, I think it's very even. We're going to have to come down to this middle order and bowlers. My middle order, I am very confident in because I have <laughs> the most destructive batsman in the world, in my opinion, in A.B. de Villiers, the South African uh, player who is just... I mean, he's beautiful to watch, just quite simply. Oh, you didn't even need to say to watch. He's beautiful. <laughs> he is beautiful. He's a beautiful man. <laughs> he's very attractive. <laughs> um, after him, I have uh, one of the other South African players. So I think you forgot in our planning process, Faf Duplessis, who's an absolute star and another very good batsman. And to round out my top order, Ben Stokes, batting at number seven, my all-rounder. He's a jet as well. I really like my side. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. That's a solid side. So you went five to seven there. I did go five to seven. My it would be order. more appropriate for me to go five to eight. Okay. I can do my I last went five an, to that. Well, I went an extra all-rounder. Interesting. Uh, because it fitted my side a bit better. So my, I realized something inconvenient. My sides don't actually have a good wicket keeper. None of them do. You go to Australia and you've got Wade. No, thanks. I don't rate him at one day as whatsoever. You go to New Zealand. They don't really have a keeper anymore. Who knows who's going to keep over there for them? Uh, Bangladesh have Iqbal, who's actually a solid player. He's fairly okay. Yeah, I considered him for a strong while. Hmm. Um, then, who have I forgotten? Pakistan have Safraz Ahmed and Sri Lanka have Chandimal, who was a good player and then dropped off. So I had to go Safraz Ahmed. I've picked him at five. Ooh, um, that's batting high. Yeah. I've got a destructive bottom lower order. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got him at five. I've got Angelo Matthews at six, one of the best all-rounders in the world for a long time. Good bowler. Can club a ball a rather long way. He can. His batting has definitely dropped off over the last year or two, though. I think he'll be disappointed. But he's still the Sri, uh, Sri Lankan captain in some formats of the game. Yeah. S still a destructive player, regardless. He is still, yeah. Uh, and at number seven, I know we talked about this before, and you actually said you're not a fan of this guy, but I haven't seen much of him. But, like, I'm just going to throw some statistics at you. So, Wasim from Pakistan. Yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> Average is 36 with the bat. Bowling, the economy rate's 4.5. He strike rates a runner ball and his best bowling figures 
was five for fourteen, I believe, earlier in the year. Yeah, um, he's a decent young player. It's it's like picking. Um, I'm trying to think of an Australian equivalent right now. Are you um, thinking like Cummins? I'd say it's like picking Travis Head. Like, really talented young player who's definitely had a very promising start to their career. But, jeez, man, that's... <laughs> like, look at the names that you're coming up against. That's yeah, it was him or Hafiz, probably. Yeah. Because uh, I had to pick dependable. him, though, because he's literally my second best spinner. True, true. He is a decent bowler. Yeah. And a very decent batsman as well. It's just a kid. Like yeah. he's in saying that he's twenty eight. I want him to come in and just strike experience. the ball. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. So he was number eight, seven, seven. So who's your number eight? Shakib. <laughs> Shakib batting at eight. No, 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 no. Please, just bat Shakib higher than Wasim. Uh, yeah. Okay. Fair. No, but I, I had Wasim. Like the thing is, in ODIs, your five to eight is so flexible. It can change. Definitely. Depended on the match. I probably in hindsight. Could have put Shakib. I could have put Shakib at five. The yeah. fact that I've got Shakib at eight says a lot about this lower order. That it's both inconsistent but powerful at the same time. <laughs> you do bat a little bit deeper than mine. I'm very confident in my bowlers. Not only do I have Ben Stokes, who's a very talented bowler, but I have Kagiso Rabada, the South African quick, who is lightning fast and handing with the bat. Uh, Sunil Nareen makes it into my spot, uh, beat out a couple other West Indian spinners who I did strongly consider, but he's got a better form in ODI cricket, which I really like. Uh, JJ Boomerah, I yep. could not leave him out. I'd argue he's probably the second best quick bowler in short form, in short form right now, behind Mitchell Stark, who can just be so devastating. Who you have, of course. Um, but, Actually, he's on my bench. <laughs> um, and then the final man in my lineup, who was one of the easiest one to pick for me, a guy who was a pretty terrible bowler at the test level, but is an excellent bowler in the short form for anyone that's seen him. Imran Tahir. He's an absolute uh, superstar. Fantastic in both ODIs and T20s, the uh, South African leg spinner. Really good player. So probably not as strong a batting depth as yours. I I do like your batting depth, but I mean, I got a leg spinner, an off spinner, Rabada who bowls out and out pace, Boomer who's an opening swing bowler, and Stokes who's a middle order bowler. My team is complete. Yeah. Fair. I do. I've just gone one extra all around because I actually had no out and out spinners that were particularly good. I searched deep and deep, hence why I went an extra all rounder because I was like, well, I'll get two spinning all rounders that will help me out. And then I couldn't sit Angelo Matthews. Yeah, He's too good of a player to sit. So then my three out and out bowlers, Stark, obviously. Yep. Um, nice easy choice, that one. Yeah, just lethal. Best he's, short form bowler in the world, in my opinion. He's opening the bowling, like yep. 100%. Uh, he's opening with Hazelwood. Hazelwood surprised me how far he's up the rankings. I believe he's fourth in the world. Yeah, he's a very um, good bowler. He's just a good, consistent bowler, and he's got a good Yorker. And started out playing for Australia as a short-form bowler. Yeah. And now this last one, I was tempted to go Bolt, but I didn't think the balance would be there with Bolt. So I've gone for Hassan Ali. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Pakistan medium pacer, uh, medium fast, I should say. Really good record. I yeah. believe his average is below 20. Which is very really, good economy. Yeah, very good economy as well. All very uh, kind of similar to Hazelwood, I would feel, but just a bit more um, deadly with the ball. He takes a few more wickets. Well, it's it's look, it's a promising side. I'm not going to lie. I, you've come better than I thought you would, but I, I still back mine in. I think there's a few weak spots in the lineup. The two Pakistanis that you went with, in fact, the three Pakistanis, uh, Wasim, Safraz Ahmed, and Hassan Ali. I just think are all a little bit of a step behind. Uh, but to, 
behind the caliber of players I have. I think the the weakest player in my lineup is probably Kagiso Rabada, which is crazy to say. Um, my team is faultless, and that's more than more problem is. Whilst you've probably got a few more stars, Steve Smith's one of the best batsmen in the world, and Stark's probably the best bowler. Um, I don't see any problems on my side, whereas I see yours, and I see a few holes here and there. Yeah, like we said, the top four is identical. Yeah, my middle order. I would say... You've oh, got better bowling options, but mine's yes. a better batting lineup. Yes. If my bowlers go bad, I've got a lot more depth to cover that. I've yep. got six bowlers. I deliberately had that, whereas you seem like you've got five I and then Joe five Root. five and Joe Root, yeah. Which, I, I mean, mean, my six... We'll work nine games out of ten. Yes. That tenth game's probably not going to go too well, but the nine other nine... Nine out of ten. <laughs> no, that's a little high for Joe Root. It'll, it'll work more often than not. But nah, not, nine out of, not nine out of ten. <laughs> I think you're pushing your luck there. No, I have got a few players that probably aren't that that could probably be in this team in maybe a couple of years. Not Safraz Ahmed, but Wasim will probably be in this team uh, comfortably in a few years. But he's probably not there yet. Uh, Safraz Ahmed was just I had no keepers. I can't really <laughs> help that. I didn't when I was looking when I was planning which countries I was going to pick. I didn't really take wicket keepers into account for ODIs. I did. Yeah, it, it worked for you. It di- didn't work so well for me. And then Hassan Ali, I think he's a good enough player that. Um, get a spot in this side. Maybe he doesn't have the long track record that the others have, but he's still quite new to the scene and doing well. I don't doubt that he was the best candidate for you, but I think my candidates are stronger. Okay. That's what I'd argue. Let us know what you thought of our lineups. Who's do you think is stronger, my Empire Eleven or Chuck's new Oslankistan plusher kid? Okay, can I can I just get the win because I have the better name? <laughs> <laughs> Yours is definitely the better name. Shout out to my dad for coming up with that one. It was very good. Oh for me. come on! Thanks for ruining my. <laughs> I gotta give credit. It was to my him. sense of pride. <laughs> He's not even to listening to <laughs> this. Not. You did. You <laughs> didn't so have not. to do that. There was no. <laughs> there's no reason whatsoever. You've just yeah. thrown me under the bus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're so right, though. There's no chance of him listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, is there any chance of anyone listening to this? No. So if you haven't been listening to this, let us know on our Facebook page. <laughs> or you can catch up with any of our previous episodes, which will be up over the next few days on Omni or on our Facebook page. Links are there. Links are there. Um, that's pretty much all for this week. My name is Alex Henry. I'm Chuck. And this thanks is- for listening. Yeah.